Do you like to laugh, geek out on music, and learn all about that band or artist who had that one song back in the day, but then seemed to fall off the face of the earth? If so, you need to subscribe to One Hit Thunder. Together with an array of interesting and hilarious guests, we do a weekly dive into one-hit wonders like Eiffel 65's Blue, Crayshon's Gucci Gucci, EMF's Unbelievable, Delamitri's Roll to Me, Los Del Rio's Macarena, Musical Youth's Past the Duchy, and even Patrick Swayze's She's Like the Wind. So are you subscribed to One Hit Thunder or what? As Desiree would say, you gotta be. And as K7 would encourage, you gotta come baby come and join in on the fun of the One Hit Thunder podcast. It is mind-blowing and heartbreaking how many original scripts are written every year but are never made. So we seek out these scripts and bring them to life with full audio production and professional actors. Check us out at Undiscover Scripts. Movies made of paper. Wherever you get your podcasts. Free! All right, well, welcome to another episode of Horror Movie Night. Uh, we're doing a, a live attempt at this in front of a, a raging crowd of human beings. <laughs> uh, Shout out to the Jersey Ghouls. Yeah, I would like to hope at the very least that as this goes on, there's just like, the, like if you hear the sound of a door opening and closing, most of the time that's probably going to be good news for us. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because they're a captive audience. <laughs> So we're uh, we're doing two episodes. We're gonna kick off with um, with Hellraiser three, which is well, you said it really well. It's it's a it's a mo- it's a bad movie sandwiched between the potential of a good movie. No, it's actually a good movie with a shit sandwich in the middle. <laughs> like it's, okay, so so the the best part of the movie is when you have the credit roll at the beginning, up until. Uh, Pinhead bounces out of his cocoon. We'll get his there. sculpture, yeah. and then it goes to shit. And then it becomes great again when Doug Bradley fights Doug Bradley in Pinhead <laughs> costume till the end. That's what's worth watching in in this movie. But then in the middle you have this like Dream Master esque. It's not. It's Gonzo. Like it's like yeah, insane it, it, that this it, is a movie. And none of this ma- matters in the the concept of the or the conceit of the franchise because. It, it's all erased yeah. by the time the, the better portion of the last third of the movie comes back. Well, you can also completely tell. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Stephen from Manilow Jones. How you doing? Uh, <laughs> you can completely tell this is written by multiple people, and they just and kind of 12. like, they just glued together the story. They're like, and that will work. Put it so, on VHS. Well, the movie, like, the movie starts off with the opening of every Tales from the Crypt episode, where it's just like a dark alley that's supposed to be an art show, and like a guy makes an art purchased from a shady character like that is literally 50%. a homeless man yeah a homeless man who owns this art shelter which i believe is the producer of this film which makes sense Not and i i actually you mentioned it but like i even have a note that says like this movie already feels like dream warriors and it's like three minutes into the movie yeah like, it's just it's 
fucking weird. Um, so then we we meet JP. He's like our first real introduction character. He's the guy who runs this place called the Boiler Room, and he buys a statue that's called the Pillar of Salt. That's gonna be in his. Cl- you think it's gonna be in his club? It's just like hanging out in his bedroom. Yeah, like he spent like, an exorbitant so amount many, of money. Yeah, he gives this guy <laughs> like, a huge wad of sweaty money, and then he and the guy like grabs him and is like, "Take pleasure in this purchase." And he's like, "Sure, I will." I'll just. They have lots of sex with lots of ladies in front of this weird statue. Yeah. And that, like, that's the part that feels like Tales from the Crypt. And then we go to, like, Joey the Reporter. And then it's just, like, straight Dream Warriors bullshit where she's just walking through an abandoned hospital. <laughs> and, like, it's just this creepy-ass abandoned hospital. And then they just run in with one patient. And it's like the fucking dream from Pee-wee's Big Adventure where they're, like, wheeling the bike in. Like, it's yes. just this guy oh my with, God, like, it is just chains like that. dangling off of him. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and she gets, like... Scratched by a chain? For yeah. No re- like those it never are like, comes up again. Yeah. No, no, and like, <laughs> like, her leg's fine. I have one note from this scene. Whips, chains, yo-yos, and a head explosion. Yeah. Oh, the head explosion is so, so good. It's pretty good. Like, yeah. anybody that is listening for the first time, like, we do so many discussions about head explosions. It's just, it's like become a trope. Like, is there a head explosion in this movie? There is. It's already got a star from yeah. me. Like, it's a good-ass movie. Um, so Joey uh, decides that this has to do with JP. There's really no major explanation except for the words boiler room. Uh, no, no. So she she grabs the girl. What's her name? Terry. Terry. Uh, yes, Terry. Not to be confused with the actress who plays Joey's, whose real name is real Terry. Real name, Terry. Yes. <laughs> yeah, we had that conversation in the car this morning. So uh, she grabs her and is like, "Where did you come from?" Or what happened? Because like the, what you see is. Um, uh, what's the name of the the JP? Yeah. What, what's your who full is name? not a douchebag at all? Am I right? I mean, yeah, no, no, no. He is, <laughs> no he's what, a real charmer. Yeah, but, but, but um, no, no, no. I'm not sorry, not JP. What's the name of the reporter? Joey. Joey. Okay, so yeah. Joey goes in, just like hanging out while this guy's getting pulled apart by these electrified, psychokinetic chains. Yeah. And his face his, and head just explodes, and um. Then she goes and finds the girl, and she's like, where were you? And she's like, we are at the boiler room. Yeah, I just I went she... to the boiler room. I don't even know him. Yeah, yeah, like, <laughs> and, 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 and that's how she gets there. And so they go to the boiler room, which is the most 1993 oh, yeah, it's, bar it's of fantastic. all time. Like, it's, but, it's but do you remember what Joey and... says to the bartender? Because she just goes, yeah, oh, yeah, hi, yeah. I'm looking for a pretty girl. Yeah, and she, he's <laughs> like, yeah, over there. <laughs> yeah, you want to talk to JP? Yeah, he's like, wait, what? Does every girl girl just gravitate to his shitty haircut? Like, what is it? (laughs) Well, we really shouldn't talk about a shitty haircut without discussing our shitty haircut because it's very similar. (laughs) (laughs) Except his is like a duck. Like, I was like, no, what are you doing? It's the 90s, like, super greasy pomade. But then we're, we're gifted at this point immediately to, like, a house level Vietnam flashback. Dream oh my God! It, and it's her dream. Joey's dad was in. He was in the shit. Yeah, he was in the shit. He was. He was in the shit. And and she has these nightmares about him dying in Nam. It's so like this is really obscure, but like the situation is like the helicopter's taking off, and he's just like, "But I'm okay." Like, it's, like, it's so dumb, but all you can think of is Daria. Like there's a Daria episode where they do a parody of Platoon. I should just think of platoon. But. Yeah, no, but no. This is, this is a straight Matt Kelly moment where you're like, 
I think about Daria. Yeah, I think about, like, well, I mean, fuck I think war about movies. most of Yeah, like, I just want to think about 90s TV shows. <laughs> yeah, but, like, he, so, um, uh, oh, you, we missed a line here where it says, um, she wants, uh, they want tight stories, not tight, she wants to do tight stories, not tight skirts, right? She's got values. Yeah, she's, she's straight, like, female empowerment as much as you're going to get in Hellraiser 3, which yeah. is cool. It's but, more female empowerment than the rest of the franchise. Oh, God, yeah. <laughs> 1992 and, female and empowerment. Somebody, like, listening to this after the fact, figure out how much $10 in 1992 was, because they were filming this in 92, and, like, it was $10 just to get into the club, and then it's probably $10 for a drink. So she's dropping, like, 40 fucking dollars <laughs> to, like, find JP and this girl that she saw for... Literally 30 seconds. Well, and, like, the, the girl that she ends up befriending, Terry. No, Terry befriends her because Terry just wants to live at her sweet apartment. Yeah. She's like, Terry is the, like, clingiest person. She's like, know who I she just, is? Can I just she, stay? In every way, shape, and form, she is Brittany Murphy in Clueless. Oh, shit, you guys got coke here? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, I said Brittany Murphy, not Mark, Mark Wahlberg. <laughs> like, you're gonna have to like edit out all of like me. All the times you say it, you are so handsy. Yeah, <laughs> you could have said the same thing last night, my friend. Um, hey, I'm the, the one who slept with him. <laughs> that's true. Uh, J- JP is attacked by a rat, and it's the funniest fucking thing I've ever seen in my life. Like, so he's got this pillar of salt statue, and there's just this giant hole where there used to be the little puzzle box, and someone ripped it out. I'm, I'm assuming the guy covered in chains in the hospital, and he's like staring at the hole. And then he just sticks his hand in it, and it turns into like a straight Chris Farley like '95 like comedy for a split second. He's just like, ah! I was actually like, I'm surprised that's the appendage he stuck in the filler of salt. Because he's sticking his is, dick in everything. Yeah, as soon like, as he, he did has it, no, no, like reason to not stick his dick in this because it's probably the cleanest thing his dick has been near. But like, we're missing the fact that Armored Saint is the band that's playing. <laughs> like, that is such an obscure reference. That's the note you have to this? I was like, who the fuck sticks anything in a giant random hole in a statue? There's no way. I would Like, a stick? Maybe a stick. I'd be yeah, like, like yeah. what's in there? What's, I ain't sticking my hand in there. I've seen Indiana Jones in movies like that. Yeah, no! Yeah. No! Hey, by the way, Analog Jones is the name of your podcast, so of course you've seen Indiana Jones. <laughs> Just a few times. <laughs> Spoiler alert, I've made the, uh, the theme song for that podcast as well, which is a straight Indiana Jones theme song ripoff. <laughs> Uh, so what? not only is the actress who plays Terry a terrible actress, but the cook of the, the character of Terry is also a terrible cook. Uh, yeah, you cannot like, understand uh, the basics of breakfast. <laughs> like it's, it's like she's surrounded by smoke and it's like, well, if you were like Macaulay Culkin in, in, in Uncle Buck, this would be acceptable, but you're a 27 yeah. year old woman in New York City. So you should know this. At like, least well, a I just, little bit. I just get takeout all the time and I'm cute <laughs> and I bang my way into all my situations. It's totally away okay. breakfast every morning. Yes, she's exactly. Never, yeah. How can she burn the toast so severely? How can you just stick it in once and it just catches like flame almost? I'm like, yeah, yeah. that's not how toasters work. And also, Joey is so nice. She's like, sure, I'll take five bites of this. Like, I'd be like, yeah, sure. What's that over there? And just automatically toss it in the disposal. Uh, so it was delicious. I ate it in two did, bites. Did you notice the hideous wallpaper? That Joey had. No, I was still thinking about Armor and Saint. Back yeah, I know. So, so you had the random bad one, and I'm like, ooh, ooh, that wallpaper. No, no, girl. Girl, mm-hmm. come on, please. 
patterns are so out. Yeah, well, but also this movie was... But now they're back in. Yeah, like, this, this movie... This has been Queer looking Eye for the, the Horror women, Guy. <laughs> 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 this movie is, like, all the girls in this movie are, like, looking at girls on Instagram in 2018. Like, it's just mom jeans that are acid-washed to fucking back. Uh, crop tops, black hair parted down the middle, nose rings, and, like, a flannel shirt wrapped around their waist. It's... it's and, and, like, a choker chain. Like, I'm not complaining, but it's, like... Yeah, it's, it's like, did you wear a pillow, when, like, over your crotch when you were watching this? Because you love 90s. Like, no, 90s women. this is women. not me watching Scream in 1998 with my first <laughs> girlfriend. I did not have an erection. Uh, so, it's during the awful breakfast scene when Terry reveals that not only did she use to date JP, but she's the one that, like, showed him where the statue is. So, she takes her to this place that apparently has been closed for months according to some guy who's just dragging a dog. Like, the dog is not walking remotely. He's just pulling a chain. And what's even more absurd is that the dog is growling, but it is, like, in no way the growl that came from a dog that tiny. Like, it's like, <laughs> it's like this tiny shit. I can it's like, I cannot wait to hear what that sounds like on the recording. And that was such an odd scene. Like, that, that old guy, I was like, that has to be someone that, like, someone knows. Like, yeah. why are we adding this? And I could it, not find I Googled all over the place. I'm like, no, Google, tell me. Uh, well, Terry and Joey decide to break in anyway, and they find sketches of the box. Um, but my favorite is they're just like, yo, this thing's a fucking scam. Like, this guy... I love how that's, like, the reason why Joey's like, I absolutely have to do this for my... for my. Um, this guy's selling high school paintings. <laughs> yeah, that that's the impetus, not the fact that she saw a guy turn into dust, like, red... <laughs> like, red mist. But, like, um, after that, we see... J- is that where JP starts to bang this chick while he's... Like, well, he's rough-fucking this girl. While yeah, because I said like, he has some sweaty sex with a girl. He's, did you, what yeah. was it you were saying? Like, he was, like, putting the it's ash like, on No, no, there, there, there is no way someone's having sex while smoking like that, because where are those ashes going? <laughs> like, I mean, I well, mean, this movie right was made by... Bush. This movie was made by Harvey Weinstein, so I'm pretty <laughs> sure... I'm pretty sure he's like, when I'm having sweaty sex... <laughs> I like to smoke and ash a little bit and they're like belly button and who knows where it goes. Well, I don't know. The girl that he's having sex with has like the subtlety of a John Waters character. Like, holy she's, holy like, holy like she's just she's like sitting Tracy on the bed. Yeah. in a John Waters yeah, Like she's just sitting there and she's like, you know, I think I'm smart. <laughs> and that's like her character is just like ditzy girl that's like, I know things. <laughs> and then she's like, she's just going to love me and leave me. Did you come inside me? Yeah, like, it's, it's, it's literally awful. every She's line terrible. of dialogue could have been out of Desperate Living or, like, Female Trouble. Like, it is, and it's not even like, oh, it's, like, the charming, like, when John Walters was, like, still being weird but, like, was some semi-mainstream. This was, like, John Walters doesn't give a fuck what you yeah, think of oh, this movie, absolutely. John Walters. Yeah. I don't um, think JP gave a fuck. Did you see how high those under his underwear went? Like, my <laughs> girlfriend walked in during this scene and she goes, she goes, oh, is there boobs? And then she goes, what? Why is his underwear so high? And I'm like, this is your question. (laughs) Like, the 1940s and the 1990s, everybody was like, I don't want anybody to see my belly button. (laughs) (laughs) Well, the girl in this movie refused to show her boobs, so, like, the whole time they're having sex, she's got her elbows like this. They're solid, though. Like, I I appreciate the fact that she stood up for herself. This movie is totally women's empowerment. Yeah. For 1993, she was like, you know what? I'm not showing nip. You need to pay me extra. And they were like... Nah, nah, girl, you're going to show you, and she's like, ha, no, I'm not. <laughs> tricked you. So this is when, uh, so the statue. She skinned and pulled in the statue, right? Well, well we failed to mention uh, 
15 minutes in that Pinhead is inside of the Pillar of Salt. Uh, this, I think that is kind of implied by the a, fact that it's Hellraiser 3 Hell on Earth, right? But yeah, uh, all of a sudden, she's like, you know what? Like, she's yelling at him, and she's, like, standing up for herself, and I'm like, go, girl. And then, like, out Into of nowhere... the Pillar of yeah, Salt. Out of nowhere, like, Pinhead's face just opens up, and he's like, suck. And, like, just... She's like... It's awful. It's, it's awful CGI. It's the it, only CGI in this movie, though. And it is on par with the exact same thing happening to, um, uh, what's his face in Buffy when Willow fillets him. Yeah. It's the exact same quality. But the thing <laughs> is, is that they had four years at least. <laughs> no, they might have had six years to get their CGI right for Buffy, and it's still awful. Same, yeah, yeah. same exact quality. I have a note. I went through so many emotions during this, like, this skinning scene because the CG is terrible, but then you look at the makeup of, like, the flesh, and it's like, Gorgeous. Yeah. And then it just sucks her all the way in. And I was like, oh, you ruined that oh, scene. Man. Like, she, everything's like just split, gone in a flash. There's like a split second. She's like Winnie the Pooh trying to get some honey. Like, there's just like <laughs> little legs popping out of <laughs> Pinhead's mouth. And then she appears inside the pillar. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and also that makes you wonder, like, okay, so the, 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 the history of this pillar is that, uh, and Kirsty comes in. And I know I'm jumping ahead just yeah. a little bit, but like, this is when shit gets real stupid, so we can jump around a little bit. So, Kirsty, so Joey finds a she go she finds out that this sculpture was made by an insane person at a at an asylum, right? Uh, see, I don't I don't quite understand. But she finds these like so. Kirsty is in an asylum talking about the sculpture being made. I don't think she made it, but somebody else made it, and and like. She finds this videotape, and Kirsty is like, it's made by a madman, and it houses the, 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 the essence of Pinhead, because at the end of two, he's dissipated. And so yeah. saying, like, he's back together. So, um, how has he been sucking in souls? Because it started probably, it probably started out with just the, the box and Pinhead, and then he's amassed all and these is, souls, that's why he's powerful. And is this when, he, like, because she watches the video a couple times, is this, I forget if the first time is when human version of Pinhead keeps popping up and he's that's like, That's your dream. He's like, pay attention! Oh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> like, you're right. yeah, and then she rewinds and it's mysteriously not there. I'm yeah. like, you just saw somebody get ripped apart by chains. Why are you confused and surprised by <laughs> these things? Like, this is the least shocking thing that's happened to you this whole movie. And so, like, we're getting into the part where Pinhead busts out, or... Does he require one more sacrifice? He requires one more sacrifice because I want to get to this thing that happens before that sacrifice. Uh, so Joey has a cameraman named Doc. Yeah. Who's important with later a on. gigantic phone. Yeah. He's like, speak. Yeah. But he also, I have this one note and it doesn't really pertain to anything coming up, but it just says that Doc, Doc talks as if he's winded from a brisk run every time that he has a line of dialogue. Because he smokes two cigarettes yeah. before every like, scene. It's Doc. Talk. <laughs> and he smokes in his bed later on in the movie, and I was like, "That's just that's the grossest thing I've ever like any time in a movie." And it wasn't after sex where you're like, "Oh, that's romantic," you know, or something. If he's just, if he's just by himself, ash on his chest, he's like, "Joey, you just got to oh no, I don't have to come get you." Joey. Oh, okay. So I watched some really good Cinemax. I got to smoke a cigarette in bed. So here's what happens. I'm looking ahead at my notes now. I remember. So the girl gets eaten. And then JP just has like a casual conversation with Pinhead, and it's He's just totally over it. Yeah, <laughs> and and Pinhead explains that JP murdered his parents and took their fortune. Yeah, I there's a lot of exposition from this so, pillar. Okay, we're at the point where 
this movie goes off the rails so, for 35 minutes. So, like, Pinhead, it, it's kind of like Pinhead takes over. Uh, it's very similar to the first Hellraiser, where you've got an entity telling another person, you need to feed me more bodies so I can become whole again, uh, and I'll give you everything you ever desired. Um, and simultaneously, thank God for, for JP and, and Pinhead making life easy, this is when uh, uh, the, the, the Terry hears the voice message that's supposed to be for Joey, saying that she's going to get, like, relocated and like Terry gets all pissed because she was like oh you can move in with me we can be gal pals forever and she's like you said we would hang out you're moving you bitch like Terry has something tying her to New York where she can't also just fuck off with it's called tons of guys <laughs> that will give her room and board for her body so she immediately goes to JP and like JP's trying to feed her to the statue that's right but like Pinhead's just like yo feeds. fuck that you you're cooler than JP. Feed him to me, and I'll give you the ability to dream. Because there's a subplot that's well. Oh, somehow yeah, he's passed dream. out by the statue. I don't remember what happened, but he's she passed out. She and hits him. I was well. Yeah, I, at this point, I was just like, whatever. Let's just let's kill people. Yeah. And uh, well, and, and so he's like knocked down. For you, that happens in about five more minutes. <laughs> and he gets knocked yeah. out, and then he's like, I'll give you whatever. She just like Push, drags she, him. She's like, <laughs> she's, he's like, good enough. Yeah. You know, and, he, and so he consumes JP. So we get rid of that stupid haircut, yeah. and then we, um, and then uh, he busts out of the, the column, right? Explo yeah, it's he like Michael Bay movie for a split like, yeah, second, yeah. like and, completely unnecessary. Yeah, and, and then he like goes into the boiler room, and there's no time of day that people are not at the boiler room getting fucked up in their like <laughs> goth wear. Um, and so he's like, he comes in, he's like, shall we begin? Like, the door's all locked, the fire goes, Pow! and like, then... It kind um, of just felt like he walked into Monster Mania this week. <laughs> like, it's just... Man, that is topical as fuck, except the fact we're not posting this for another month. Well, they probably read the news by then. Yeah, well, hopefully it'll trickle down. Um, trickle down economics. But yeah, this is where we get the, uh, we get two things that happen kind of simultaneously. We have the nightclub massacre, which is crazy, we need to talk about it. This is also when suddenly Joey is finally having a conversation with uh, Pinhead's human self, who she refers to as Spencer. In her dreams. Yeah. And he's like, look, after what happened in the second movie, he's like, it's a long explanation. Go sit down, watch him, come back for review. That's right. He's like, I was split into entities. So, like, I am all of his conscience. I'm, like, the piece of good that keeps him tethered to, like, humanity. And now he's just an unhinged evil motherfucker. Which is ironic because he was pretty unhinged and evil in the first but, two movies. But no, but here's the thing. In the first two movies, everything was tied to the box. If you open the box, that's where you right. get the punishment. Right. No one's touching that goddamn box in this nightclub. He's just like, fucking, you're going to be a CD monster. You're going to have a camera embedded in your head. Like, he's just like... You're going to be... Uh, the, the he's like the goddamn like, Wizard of Oz he's just granting wishes for people over there. The shittiest wishes. Like, <laughs> that bartender probably doesn't want to see any alcohol. Like, I've been a bartender, and, and Steve has been a bartender, and, and it makes you not want to be around drunk people. But this guy's like, turn me into a bartender Cinnabite. So did you catch that there is a director, the director's cameo in this movie is insane. Do you like to laugh, geek out on music, and learn all about that band or artist who had that one song back in the day, but then seemed to fall off the face of the earth? If so, you need to subscribe to One Hit Thunder. Together with an array of interesting and hilarious guests, we do a weekly dive into one-hit wonders like Eiffel 65's Blue, Crayshon's Gucci Gucci, EMF's Unbelievable, Delamitri's Roll to Me, Los Del Rio's Macarena, Musical Youth's Past the Duchy, and even Patrick Swayze's She's Like the Wind. So are you subscribed to One Hit Thunder or what? 
As Desiree would say, you gotta be. And as K7 would encourage, you gotta come, baby, come, and join in on the fun of the One Hit Thunder podcast. It is mind-blowing. And heartbreaking. How many original scripts are written every year but are never made? So we seek out these scripts and bring them to life with full audio production and professional actors. Check us out at Undiscover Scripts. Movies made of paper. Wherever you get your podcasts. Free! Um, so Joey calls Doc and she's like, get your camera, get down to the boiler room. We've got a big report. There's a news report on Channel 4 of this massacre. And like Doc's flipping through the channels, and what you're supposed to realize is that there's no news report about a massacre on the boiler room and that her TV's unplugged. But while he's flipping through channels, there's one channel that's a guy being interviewed on TV, and it just says the director's name and director. So it's oh, like. Oh, wow. That like, is so like smacked in the face, <laughs> like, but like I didn't even catch it. This is my third watch of this film, and probably my last. Uh, so this is this portion that we're discussing right now is the stupidest thing that happens in like any Hellraisers because it doesn't matter. Yeah, like but it's so, not the worst Hellraiser, but this is the stupidest thing. Yeah. So here's the thing that I agree with. This is the shit sandwich portion of the movie. Absolutely. But it actually has my favorite scene in the entire movie. When they're walking down the street? When, no, 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 no. When she walks into the club and it's just mangled corpses splattered everywhere. everywhere. The only problem is that Joey's crying is the worst crying I've ever yeah, seen. Nobody's a good actor in this movie. <laughs> like, like Doug Bradley's, actually this, I take it back, Doug Bradley is the best at Pinhead in this film. Yeah. Like this is yeah, my he, favorite Pinhead and there are a lot of Pinhead. There's about like, all, 10 of them. Yeah, like, well, I mean, Doug Bradley plays the definitive pinhead obviously yeah. but like this is his best presentation of the character in my opinion because when he discusses why he became pinhead yeah it, it's very clive barker and then like the fight is great that's why i'm saying the last quarter of the film is, is really i i'm very entertained by this movie but the first time i watched it I, it might have been 98 99 yeah. i was definitely like my freshman or sophomore year in high school and i was like man I want to love this film, but the middle just is so unnerving and just it doesn't fit. But, so I, but, but the CD said a bite. We gotta talk. We'll, we'll get there. I have a note that's right before that that I forgot that I wrote down, and it's my favorite thing. So Joey sees Pinhead. She starts running through the streets. And like this is just before you're introduced to all the Cenobites. Is this what does, does does he ex do the exposition about his plan? Yeah, he tells her everything. And, and that's like, a great, it's a great little monologue. So I love she's it. she's running through the streets and shit's just blowing up. Yeah, it's like, like mm -hmm. everywhere, left and right. It's like the boiler <laughs> so, room has become yeah. this street. So my he note, so much money on this. Set. <laughs> my note says Joey's running through the streets and it's like Michael Bay directed the Welcome to the Jungle music video. <laughs> it's like, I was actually think Mike, thinking Michael Bay directs that scene in Masters of the Universe that they <laughs> they did only at night where they blew up all these like storefronts and they weren't supposed to. So the only thing that I remember vividly from this movie is actually Doc as a Cenobite with the camera shoved in his head. Time for your clothes. What does he say? He's like, time for your clothes, And then he like <laughs> pops one guy in the face, which is like so Freddy Krueger, Nightmare 5. Yeah. Like it's so bad. So He has uh, two shitty puns. So here's the thing that's important to note. Uh, and I found this on the trivia page. The bartender and the CD Cenobite were complete last second 
editions. That makes absolute sense uh, to me. By Terry awful. Atkins. Terry Atkins is the writer. Yeah. So he's the man you have to blame for a lot of the bad ideas in here. Well, because, well but the, the thing that, like, if you think about it, the biggest reason why that's so obvious is that they're the two Cenobites that pure. Joey has no fucking relationship with. Like, having True. Terry and having Doc and having JP, it's like, okay, these are people that she's interacted with in this movie. She, she asked the, the bartender pier? where the pretty girls are. Is like, there, that's is there the a extent of their Cenobite? Yeah, he's the one with the fucking pillar inside of his head. Oh, that's, that's right. Yeah. He's the most okay. forgettable He's the device. jackhammer Cenobite? Yeah, like, like, come on. But he went in... So bad. I, the, the, it makes no sense. The, 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 there are five, new, four new Cenobites in this movie. Yeah, and they all get erased. <laughs> like no, nothing that happens. The, the they're not. The, none of them are as cool as the Cenobites from the first movie. No, no like nowhere near no, as cool as like Butterball or Chatter. Yeah, that's I, because I that was made by people with talent. Cenobite. Oh yeah, there was a girl doing a female Cenobite mixed with Pinhead at the convention. She looked great. Yeah. she looked incredible. Yeah, 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 she's great. But like nobody does CD Cenobite. Um, you know no. how sweet CD Cenobite would be if. It's so obscure that, like, the most obscure thing I saw today was a woman dressed up as Jamie Lee Curtis's character in season two of Scream Queens. Dean <laughs> Munch as a, a doctor at the C-U-R-E clinic. And I was like, are you Dean Munch? And she's like, you are the second person to catch that. In this, in this like 20,000 people that are here today. exactly like Jamie Lee Curtis. She hair, it was terrifying. She was already gray. And she was trying to give me yogurt. Like, it was... <laughs> Dude, I was... It was I am, really weird. I am vegan and I would drink her yogurt. Like, I would <laughs> just be like, Jamie Lee. She's like, are, are you backed up? Me, baby. Are you backed up? And I was like, I don't know, Jamie. <laughs> Not anymore, baby. So, I know I'm harping on the explosions, but I have another note that says... Disney is the second biggest purchaser of, of explosions behind Anthony Wilcox's Hellraiser <laughs> 3 set. <laughs> um, uh, so Pinhead's like self-crucifixion hospital uh, church scene oh, yeah. is like one of the most shocking things that I could think appears in a I 90 horror movie. I absolutely love the sacrilege of this movie. <laughs> like, like, should be no surprise to regular listeners. No surprise to anybody that listens to our show at all. Yeah. But like, I am in love with this version of Pinhead because yeah. he is so, so, so sacrilegious. So, like, uh, he's who I aspire to be on a daily basis. <laughs> so here's the thing that I think is really funny about this because it's kind of like very misguided. He's it, like, Jesus loves you this much. Crucifixion yeah. joke. Well, like, Anthony Wilcox apparently had like a real issue on his hand shooting this scene. Like, mm -hmm. no church film inside right. of him. But like, and this was most, in North Carolina. This yeah. is Bible Belt. So I mean. most of his cast and crew were like, we ain't filming it. And his justification, like, come on now, Anthony Wilcox, is he said, this is no more sacrilegious than when Christopher Lee would tear up a church in a Hammer movie. It's like, ah. It's a different time. Like, <laughs> like, like, Christopher Lee slapping a cross off of the table. Is a little different than Pinhead. Christopher Lee is a fucking nails cat. Nails in his hands and like yeah, like Christopher Lee. No, he's <laughs> putting maggot nails in his hands and being like, "Jesus, love me this one." Christopher Lee is like a, a pissed off cat who's like walking up to a cross and just being like, "Boop." Well, doesn't Pinhead pull two two maggot nails out of his head and he goes, "You know, Jesus Christ walked into a host, uh, into a hotel one time and he's dropped two nails on the table and said, put me up for the night.'" <laughs> Love it. Fucking great. Beautiful. I'll cut that for my mom. I, 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 <laughs> no, you're keeping that in, and your mom just doesn't get to listen to this episode. She doesn't listen so, to So um, there are some... <laughs> she knows better. Also, um, 
this is where the movie gets good again. Yeah, because he sends the Cenobites back to hell. Yeah, yeah, like when the Cenobites leave and we forget all about how stupid they look. Um, t- I want to talk about the actual good lines that, that, that Pinhead has here. He has a lot of really yeah. good lines. Yeah, so um, he says... Um, a dream of one war is the dream of all wars. That's actually, I'm sorry, that's Spencer that says that. I love that line. It's so poetic and great. And then um, the the uh, the line that I love, and I'm going to say it all in in full. And I apologize for bringing the like ridiculousness of this film down, but this is what we need to get to the last quarter of it. This is what Pinhead says to Joey before he's about to like kill her yeah. and unleash hell on earth. There is a secret song at the center of the world, Joey. And its sound is like razors through flesh. Oh, come, you can hear its faint echo right now. I'm here to turn up the volume, to press the stinking face of humanity into the dark blood of its own secret heart. And like that's why I love this Pinhead, because that's what Pinhead should have been from day fucking one. Like, poetic, dark, so sacrilegious. And like this would be my absolute favorite franchise if they could have had the writer of that scene in the entire franchise because like it is so good that's when I, I when I saw this movie for the first time in high school I was like man I want more of that pinhead yeah and I forget every time I watch this movie I, that I'm like that's exactly why yeah. that's exactly why pinhead is a memorable horror icon it's not the visuals it's not the box it's the fact that he can be nuanced and really poetic well we had so we we have had a lot of conversations sitting at our table um but we were talking about uh neither of you had seen black panther yet but i was telling you how much i really like the villain in black panther and the reasoning that i was saying was like the scariest villain is the one that like their actual thought process makes a lot of sense and it's the crazy like the way that they go towards their goal you can't hate a villain who is logical in their execution yeah like so it's like, and Pinhead is actually logical and has a reason for being in the last quarter of this film. It's yeah. absolute bullshit in the like the, the the that thirty minutes before we get to this point. But yeah. Well, and then I, we have we the other scene that I thought was kind of cool because I always I like this element. Uh, I was recently on the uh, Jersey Ghouls podcast. Oh, hey, what's up, Jersey Ghouls? <laughs> um, <laughs> I can barely we see were, them through yeah, all the people. Yeah, the crowd, the seas, but um. We talked about Hellbound, and one of the things that I... There's a lot of issues I have with Hellbound. All in all, I like the movie. But one of the issues I have is that it gives us way too much background on like, all of these characters. Absolutely. But I really enjoy the like way that a Cenobite is created. Like I find oh, that really... Sure. So like the scene where Joey's like being kind of almost transformed into a Cenobite, I'm kind of like, yeah, this would have been cool to do this for some of the other ones. one new Cenobite that made it to the next movie. movie. Like, it just yeah. doesn't make any sense that they would have three or four new Cenobites that completely are negated well, at the end. Well, well, I, I was fair, wondering... The next movie's hopping I, into, like, all yeah. different types Dude, of time periods. We're going to talk about Bloodline sometime were because they I just want to... Cenobites and... and course it's like that's all i want were they trying to get into freddy's territory where they're like oh we're gonna have an entire toy line you know like i mean that's that's clive barker has those yeah it's monstrosities or something like that barker's uh nightmares or i don't remember what it's called but he that's what i saw they have new cenobites that are strictly for the toy line and rebecca and her husband from rebecca from shockwaves and her husband write the current hellraiser comic book and they create yeah. their own Cenobites for the comic Well, book. she used to, um, if you ever listen to Killer POV, she got very much into reading the Hellraiser comics. 
and I've never read any of them, but she said what was really cool about them was that there'd be issues that she was like, it was literally just tales from the crypt. Like Mike. it was just these issues that were just like, one issue would just be about like a clown that's in hell and like what he did on earth that put him in hell and how he became this like, de and it was just like behind the scenes stories of all of these demons they just created. She was like, it was fucking awesome. And like she developed this desire. She was like, I want to make a Hellraiser movie with no pity. Like just a completely original cast of new Cenobites, like start from scratch and like develop this world as like, there are thousands of these things in hell. Like, it's but like, not I, I would love to, the, to know why a Cenobite is decided upon. Yeah. Like I, I know that we are railing on the fact that there's too much exposition in Hellbound and also like kind of too but much it, exposition here at yeah. times, but I like being given enough rope with which, well not enough rope, enough of the explanation so that my mind can wander. Yeah. You know, like, that's, that's, that's the thing. what he makes no room for guessing. See, I really had no problem with all the exposition. It was just when it came down to the Boba Fett character, you know, these Cenobites, where it's like, this just has to be cool. The CD Cenobite was developed by a person who's completely out of touch. He's like, you know what kids like? CDs. Call I've seen it. I, I get him. I get my kids these CDs for Christmas. Look, and I'm thinking we shove, popular in we, shove them in this, we shove them in this guy's head. And we sell them as toys. We're yeah, gonna make a yeah. fortune. Well, Yo, also, are you, are you tell me that you wouldn't have bought a CD Cenobite Walkman that you like pop the face down and dude. Play. If the CD Cenobite <laughs> spat CDs out of its face, yeah, holy shit, he just throws. <laughs> yeah, like why is it, if they went in his mouth and his mouth is shaped like a CD player? Like, hey, if you can hear this, this is what my mouth would sound like if I was a CD Cenobite. Um, yeah. But, like, why is he throwing them like an idiot? Instead well, the of bartender, like, Cenobite, shakes up a drink and spits fire. Why would There's no in between the there. Like, yeah, like, <laughs> he doesn't drink it. <laughs> and he has barbed wire on his head. I, that, that was the part where I'm like, okay, so alcohol, fire, I get it, but wh why is he wrapped in barbed wire around his head? Because he's, he's a barbtender. Hey <laughs> Wow. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, good night. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I wanted to say, though, that somebody gets a fish hook chained to the boob, and I think it's Joey. Probably. Ooh, that Ooh. looks so, yeah. so painful. I don't remember why I wrote this, but I have terrible CGI at the very end. Um, is that when, like, is he getting sucked back yeah, into the box? Yeah, he gets sucked into the box. Oh, yeah, yeah, there is another bad part of CG, piece of CGI where he's, like, getting, he's like, raw, and it's total lawnmower man type yeah. CGI, where they basically just skinned him. Like they, they, they I'm, I don't mean skinned like they skinned the <laughs> like girl. they skinned the one girl. They, yeah. They, they put a skin of him in in the computer, and then they just basically like it doesn't need to be mapped at all. It's just like a piece of paper, a piece of silk going into a <laughs> box backwards, and that's yeah. Um, a guy gets a seat to the nose. We missed that part. Yeah. I, I have actually all in caps. All hail CD Cenobite. <laughs> the greatest thing to ever come. Of, of the, the entire, entire franchise, <laughs> which is just, it's sarcasm, by the way. I, uh, I oh, man, mine is CD Cenobite. I fucking love this trash. <laughs> but the thing is, is that I have to take back. So for years, I have criticized CD Cenobite. And I have to say that CD Cenobite is so much better than I remember it. And, and Camera Cenobite is so much worse. Yeah. Because he has these shitty puns. Like, these zingers that are supposed to make him a Freddy. Like, it, it's Freddy's dead in a Cenobite, and it's so bad. But then we get, like, Doug Bradley versus Doug Bradley. Which At the very great. end, he gets sucked into himself. The, like, cool, like, face melt thing I really enjoyed. 
I kind of, I kind of dug it. Like it's not great CGI, but for 1993, I can forgive it. Yeah. Huh. Um, but then Joey gets out of the box, and she buries the box inside some wet cement, and then. For some reason, the site of this office, all the interior is designed exactly like the box That's the, to be the, never visited again. I love, I love that though. That's actually my favorite part of the movie is the fact that the box controls people in a, like a, a a radius. I love that as like this very subtle world building as far as the box and the Cenobites work. Where the I'd be box right lives if they on. Did an office, like in an office building, like just all hell breaks loose inside of it. Because that's what Bloodline should have been. It yeah. absolutely should have been that. But like the box lives on in the minds of architects because in Hellbound, the main character that creates Cenobites is called the architect. Yeah. And so it's like this really, really subtle, almost imperceptible callback to Hellbound because it's uh, the architect and architects. Yeah. But like. It's not explained enough that anybody but except us, yeah, you know, oh, would, wow. would ever make that reference. That is not how I took that because I this was only the second Hellraiser I've ever seen. I saw one, three, and I then I then I watched two. So I took this as like evil corporation, you know, like sucking Ooh, away from the land. You watched Mayhem, a yeah, and <laughs> yeah, I was just like, that's how I took this, like, and I almost looked at it like it was a lawyer's firm. Like, Absolutely. Yeah, Who's the most evil person? A lawyer. Yeah, that's how I took it. I was like, oh. I think Who we're deals with all of your sins? A lawyer. But I think, absolutely lawyers. I think we're taking too much time to focus on this element, and we're taking away from the fact that immediately after this, Motorhead Hellraiser starts playing, and I'm like, yeah! Great song. <laughs> absolutely great song. Best, best song except for Armin Saint on the soundtrack. Probably. I mean, Armin Saint did two scenes for nothing. I'm positive that they got paid jack fucking shit. It's, it's like when Cannibal Corpse is in Ace Ventura. Oh, they did that because Jim Carrey was like, I like Cannibal Corpse. <laughs> uh, but I think that's all we have to say about Hellraiser We went 3. way more in-depth on Hellraiser 3 Hell on Earth than anyone ever should. No, so I think this is a, well, a good time to I, wrap it up unless Stephen has one more closing note. words. So Bob Keen was the makeup effects man for this, uh -huh. and he got nominated twice for a Saturn Award in uh -huh. this year. And I, I just funny to see what he in lost to in 1992. So it was Bram Stoker's Dracula was up, Batman Returns, Candyman, which he also did, <laughs> Death Becomes Her, Hellraiser 3, Hell on Earth, Highway to Hell, Star Trek 4, The Undiscovered Country, and their winner was Batman Returns. <laughs> Are you serious over Death Becomes Her? Hey, I that didn't. blows my mind. I didn't vote. Yeah. I mean, I was, I was 10. <laughs> so I didn't. We were both ten. Uh, Stephen and I were ten. We found out that this weekend that we are so was, close. In age. I was seven. God, I was probably <laughs> beating the shit out of you in fucking uh, horse at the time. Yeah, that <laughs> time I visited Ohio. Do you like to laugh, geek out on music, and learn all about that band or artist who had that one song back in the day, but then seemed to fall off the face of the earth? If so, you need to subscribe to One Hit Thunder. 
Together with an array of interesting and hilarious guests, we do a weekly dive into one-hit wonders like Eiffel 65's Blue, Crayshon's Gucci Gucci, EMF's Unbelievable, Delamitri's Roll to Me, Los Del Rio's Macarena, Musical Youth's Past the Duchy, and even Patrick Swayze's She's Like the Wind. So are you subscribed to One Hit Thunder or what? As Desiree would say, you gotta be. And as K7 would encourage, you gotta come, baby, come, and join in on the fun of the One Hit Thunder podcast. It is mind-blowing. And heartbreaking. How many original scripts are written every year but are never made? So we seek out these scripts and bring them to life with full audio production and professional actors. Check us out at Undiscover Scripts. Movies made of paper. Wherever you get your podcasts. Free! You're listening to the Geekscape Network. 